This is the Action Network Podcast. It's good for the win. Welcome into the Action Network Podcast. This is your UFC Fight Night Vegas 49 betting preview. Brendan Glasheen of the Action Network. Very pleased to be joined by two contributors to ensure that you will get the best analysis for this coming weekend. Sean Zarillo, Action Network senior writer. He's also an MMA betting expert. Also joined by Billy Ward, MMA analyst and former professional MMA fighter. Gentlemen, I hope you're both well. Looking forward to doing this every Friday. We have a lot to get to. The main event, our fight of the night, favorite underdog bets for this weekend's card, favorite prop bets. Billy has insight on the DFS side of things, if you're into that sort of thing. And also, best bets to wrap up the show here on this UFC Fight Night Vegas 49 preview. Let's dive right in. Sean, let's explore the main event. Bobby Green, Islam Makhachev. What are your opening thoughts? Yeah, if Bobby Green wins this fight, he is a made man for life. Taking this on 10 days notice after winning on a pay-per-view main card. Don't believe he's ever beaten a ranked opponent before, and he's actually the biggest underdog in an UFC main event in the past five years. Anthony Smith was plus 550 in a title fight against John Jones. Now he can jump over the line against everybody at 155 since he was willing to take this fight, wins it, probably gets a shot either for the title or against Conor, Conor McGregor in a big money fight. Magachev, the uncrowned champion at lightweight. People have considered him the best 155er in the world for the past year or so. Does he deserve to be minus 900 against anybody? Yeah, against some people, but maybe not against Bobby Green because Green has some tools to win this fight and at least make it competitive. Now, this may just be a levels grappling match. If it's minus 900, he's going to need to run through him and sub him immediately in round one. Otherwise, things get may get a little hairy the longer this fight goes. Makachev, tons of pressure, great wrist control, excellent grappling. But Bobby Green keeps his hands really low, good at defending takedowns, good submission defense, and he's great at boxing while moving backwards, which is something that Islam hasn't really had to face in the past. Now, Islam, one thing he does do really well on the feet is manage distance. Used to be a bit more reckless. You've seen him get finished in the past when he starts running around the cage. But now he's much more composed. He's good at either being all the way in or all the way out. So knows how to control his range. Left high kick, left overhand, which he can use to get an overhook and get into the clinch against the cage. Don't love this fight being in a small cage for Bobby because Islam is so good with everything he does up against the fence. But that said, he's just kind of a dog and he makes himself a dog in every fight. And if he's able to keep this close and get things to the later stages of the fight, I think Islam may be able to tire out. You know, we've seen him tire against Armin Sarukian, who is the only guy who's been able to keep it close against Islam. So if Bobby's able to fight the hands, get back up to his feet consistently, it may start to wear a Makachev eventually. So I have Bobby Green winning this fight 19% of the time. I think his money line should be closer to plus 400. You can take him at plus 550 or better. I think that's a worthy stab. And on top of that, I think he makes the fight competitive. I like the over one and a half rounds at about minus 160. Wouldn't really play it much past that. It's gotten steamed up over the past week, gone to two and a half in a lot of places. But I think he keeps the fight competitive, lasts at least seven minutes. If you want to get really crazy, Bobby Green to win in round four at plus 5,000, to win in round five at plus 6,000. I do think a good amount of his win condition is tied to Makachev gassing late and Green perhaps bopping him when he's behind on the scorecards. So that's how I see it going down. 
Billy, am I too crazy for going with Bobby Green or does he have enough dog in him to make this a fight? No, I, you know, Bobby's definitely a live dog here. I think he should be, as you said, about closer to 400 or so. I'm not looking to bet Bobby straight up, though. What I'm looking at is this fight to go to a decision. We're seeing Makachev by decision at 330 and the fight to go to a decision 250. I really don't see Bobby getting finished very easily. I've got it here. He hasn't been finished since it looks like 2016 was the last time anyone finished him, and that was Dustin Poirier. And he hasn't been submitted since 2009 against Dan Lozon and Affliction, if anyone remembers that promotion. So, you know, Islam's best way of getting the stoppage is definitely a submission, but Bobby is not an easy guy to do that to. And I really like his ability to get back to his feet. So I think that can extend the fight. I, you know, I don't see how Bobby finishes Islam unless, like you said, he gasses out real hard. But for it to go all the way to a decision, I think that should be a lot less than the plus 250 we're seeing. Yeah, plus 350 right now for it to go to a decision. One thing to note on Bobby Green, folks, over 1,400 significant strikes in UFC lightweight competition. That is the most in divisional history. So he does have some things on his side. But again, as Sean mentioned, you can find most of his numbers. Uh, you can find him at plus 575 on BetMGM, plus 600 on DraftKings to take uh, take down Makakiev. So that is our uh, opening thought on the main event Folks also want to get, you know, dip their toes a bit, Sean, into uh, some underdogs, potentially. What, who are some, uh, what are some of your favorite underdog bets on this card? Yeah, I'm going with Rong Zhu. This guy's listed at 21 years old. Billy and I have debated his actual age. He's going with some pink hair this week. This guy looks like he could be pushing 30, not 21. That said, I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing. I think he's more in his physical prime than he might appear, given his the number on his age that's listed. The big discrepancy in this fight for him is size. Uh, Bahamondes has, I believe, six inches of height and four inches of reach. He's good at using his range weapons, too. Can probably kick him from the outside. Probably a deserving favorite just because I generally tend to favor guys who are going to win minutes. And generally speaking, volume is what's going to win you the minutes. And I think these two guys are durable. So there's a good chance this goes to a decision. Bahamondes wins by decision. Not really a lot of value in that number, though. And I think this could be a close fight. Uh, Rongju hits harder. Bahamondes keeps his head on the center line. He's a bit of a punching bag. He's very hittable. He's willing to trade one taken for about three or four given back. So he is there to be hit. And I think it's a matter of time before he gets clipped by somebody with power. He's denied a bunch of takedowns at the UFC level. He's a tall guy, tough to get leverage on. That said, Rongju does have the grappling upside here. And if he is able to get this fight to the ground, he's going to look like a favorite for the periods of time where it is on the ground. So if he's able to steal around with a takedown, maybe steal another round with power optics, I don't think winning a decision is out of the question, but he is the guy, in my opinion, who has more finishing upside by about 10%. So I like him on the money line at plus 170. I would play that down to about plus 150. I also like his odds to win inside the distance. I believe that I got that at plus 650. Project that closer to plus 400. And his submission odds, plus 1400. I made that line closer to plus 1100. So I would poke both the inside the distance and the submission prop. And I'm also taking them on the money line at about plus 175. Billy, do you at all consider the knockout ability of Bahamundes to be a concern or are you more on Sean's side? I'm definitely on Sean's side with this one. I think how the grappling goes is going to be what decides this. I've got the numbers here. It looks like uh, Bahamundes denied 12 takedowns from Russell Roosevelt Roberts in a fight, which is pretty ridiculous. But Rong Zhu went eight for 12 across his two fights in his UFC career. So there's definitely going to be a lot of attempts, whether Rangju can convert those or not is going to be 
what decides this fight. I think the smaller cage helps him here. He's given up a lot of reach, but there's not really anywhere for Bahamundes to run or keep the distance in the smaller cage. So I see Rongzu getting inside and being able to drag him down at least a couple times. Whether that's enough to win the fight or steal enough points, that's going to be what decides it. Anything else to add here, guys, on this particular one? Each of you, just this is your favorite underdog bet for the uh, for the weekend? Uh, I've got another one that I was going to throw in there. Go for it. Yeah, Armin Petrosian. His line has dropped from 150 to about 135. I still see some value here. He looks like a very strong striker. I watched his contender series bout, and he's facing Gregory Rodriguez, who should have the grappling advantage. But Petrosian was able to get back up to his feet pretty much immediately every time he was taken down in his contender series bout. He also had most of his pre-UFC bouts in Russia against a ton of really tough wrestlers. He's training in Dagestan with, you know, Habib and all those guys so I think his wrestling and his get back to his feet ability are at least going to give him enough of a chance to make this a stand-up affair so I like him at plus 135 I bet that as long as we can get plus money he's also plus 200 at DraftKings to finish by TKO or KO that's probably where most of his win condition is coming from I don't really see him winning a grappling affair so I'm going to sprinkle a little bit on the TKO prop as well All right, once again, we're getting you ready for UFC Fight Night, Vegas 49. Moving on to the guys' fight of the night. Armand Sarukian taking on Joel Alvarez. And you can find odds, of course, at whatever book you'd please. And right now on BetMGM, you can get Sarukian at minus 225, Alvarez at plus 180 on the money line for this particular fight. Sean, uh, why does this fight in particular stand out to you aside from the main event and what is your favorite way to play it? Yeah, these are two big lightweights. And I, the reason I love this fight is I think either one or both of them are future title contenders, two very high upside prospects. I think they're at the bottom of the lightweight rankings. Now this is a pretty binary matchup to me in the sense that Alvarez is the bigger finisher and Sarukian is a much better control point fighter. Alvarez also a bit of a berserker. He comes out crazy. And if he can't get the finish, I would expect him to start to fade. So Sarukian should be able to take over the second and third rounds pretty convincingly. I'd say the majority of the time, but the first five minutes are going to be really interesting because like I talked about with my last dog, Rongju, smaller fighter, but I think the more dangerous fighter here, you have Joel Alvarez, who is a much bigger fighter. And I think by far the more dangerous fighter. And when you have that combination, you really have to take a look at finish props. Six inches taller, I believe a five-inch reach advantage. And in the cage, this guy looks like a welterweight fighting at lightweight. Some questions about whether he can make the 155-pound limit. I don't think it's going to be an issue this time. Otherwise, the UFC isn't going to let him fight at lightweight again, probably. Now, he tends to get a lot of hate because of the way he fights and the way he finishes fights. He's not a big minute winner but he's just looking to finish you. He comes right at you with knees and elbows, makes the most out of his long limbs. He accepts takedowns. He doesn't try to stop takedowns. He accepts takedowns because his guard game is so dangerous. The way he switches off between arm bars and triangles, he'll put you in a triangle and start hammering you with elbows to the top of the head. The guy is an absolute freak in terms of his size, and he's incredible at using all of those tools. Now, Sarukin, we've seen him go against high-level BJJ guys like Davi Hamos survived perfectly on the ground, never really was an actual danger of getting submitted. He was in some spots where I was questioning whether something was going to happen to him, but he never really showed himself to be in danger. I think he's a tremendous fighter. Had a very competitive fight on short notice. Islam Makachev took Makachev down. So he's one of the best grapplers in the division. 
He might already be the second best lightweight in the division behind Makachev. We don't really know. I think Mateus Gamrock can insert his name into that conversation. But Alvarez may not be the best matchup for Sarukian just in terms of how he pursues the fight early. I do think there's a chance that he's able to get Sarukian out of there. So I show value on his money line. I projected it closer to plus 160. I show value on the Sarukian decision prop. I projected that at plus 135. We'll get to my favorite way to play this fight in a minute because it does fall under my best props for this card. But I think Alvarez is definitely a live dog. And if you're looking at the money line side, look, it's come all the way down from over plus 300 to now sitting in that plus 180 range. Definitely think he's been taking money consistently. And I think it's probably the sharper money too. So Alvarez would be my side in terms of a money line, but I do think there's a better way to play this fight. I'm curious to hear Billy's thoughts too. Yeah, I'm, I'm leaning towards Alvarez on the money line, but my real interest in this one is from the DFS side. As Sean pointed out, Alvarez likes to accept the takedowns. So that can rack up a lot of points for Saryukin if he can end up getting the finish or even really just any win if he's able to get three, four, five takedowns. You know, takedowns are worth a lot of points with DFS scoring, so that's a big one. And as Sean also pointed out, Alvarez is looking for a finish. So for a guy, I believe 7,300 on DraftKings. Let me look that up real quick. 71. 71, Billy. 71. I was close. He's the cheapest fighter whose odds are anything better than plus 290. We definitely need to find some cheap fights in our lineup this time. And for a guy who has a real legitimate shot at getting a finish, that's a really nice combination. And with the line movement, line movement we've seen, DraftKings released the salaries when Alvarez was about 235 and he's all the way down to 185. So that's just pure value right there you know he's not the safest pick but for gpps and tournaments we need to get guys like that who have a shot at getting a lot of points for a little bit of salary because there's some really expensive fighters we like this week and alvarez is a really good one and then on the other side of it you know if sarokin ends up with the fight or winning the fight or getting the finish he should probably end up at a lot of points either so getting this one right is going to be crucial for a lot of lineups yeah, Saruki, and one thing that Sean brought up, he absorbs a ton of strikes, 1.4 significant strikes per minute. And on the other side, Alvarez, both have uh, very uh, solid records overall in MMA, both 4-1 and one in UFC. Alvarez has earned all 19 of his career victories by stoppage this year. So let's not waste any time. We go over the guy's fight of the night. So, Sean, please share with us how you are attacking that particular matchup in the prop market. Yeah, so I project out win conditions for every fighter. you just comparing the money line to the percentage of win conditions. So Alvarez, you mentioned no decision wins in his career. I believe, I think he might have one decision loss. But regardless, I projected a finish at 85% of his win condition. That would put the implied odds at about plus 205 for his, his finish proppers, win inside the distance odds. The market actually has him closer to 65%. You can find a plus 300 at DraftKings. There's about a 20% discrepancy in how I rate his finish chances if he wins versus how the market rates his finish chances if he wins. So I love that plus 300 on Alvarez to win inside the distance. Definitely prefer that to his money line. I think hitting his round one odds at plus 650 is also a must, regardless of whether you want to play the other bet. I think that's his most likely win condition is an early finish. He is going to gas out. Sarukin is solid live bet after round one for sure. Decision prop, not really sure because Alvarez may tire late and get finished himself. So that's my favorite way to play that fight. And I'm also going to give out another violence prop. I know Billy said that he likes Armin Petrosian on the money line. I actually like the prop on Gregory Rodriguez to finish him by submission, plus 460 at FanDuel. Projected that closer to plus 335. I think there's some value on Rodriguez's submission prop. Petrosian always gives up takedowns early. Rodriguez has some good ways of getting the fight to the ground, whether with his wrestling or his judo. 
He's able to take the back pretty quickly at times. So if Petrosian isn't able to pop up, I do think he's going to get submitted in the first round. And if not, again, Petrosian, another solid live bet after round one. This is a terrific card for live betting. There's about six different spots that I'm targeting to fade cardio of fighters who fade after round one. All right, Billy, how about yourself? A favorite prop bet and maybe some, maybe you have one or two that is it longer odds or one that you feel really good about? Yeah, on the longer odds, I'm going to go with Bobby Green to win a decision. I'm seeing plus 1,400 here. I'm kind of piggybacking off Sean's take about Makachev tiring out. I just don't think Bobby's able to put him away. I think he's tough enough that he can hang in there. You know, it's going to be tough for him to find another round early to go with winnings round four and five there, but I think he's got a lot better than a one in 14 chance of doing so, and that's the odds that we're seeing right now. And then one that I feel really good about, I really like the opener between Altamirino and Hernandez to end inside the distance. It's currently plus 110 right now, which is actually one of the fights that Vegas thinks is most likely to go all the way. But these are two debuting fighters. They're going to be looking to put on a show. Both guys throw a ton of volume. Both guys are kind of sloppy in their contender series bouts, so they look pretty hittable. And we got the small cage, as Sean always likes to point out. So I think that one at plus 110, as long as that one's plus money, I'm going to be betting that one to end inside the distance. All right, Billy, we'll stay right with you because you want to get into DFS and there are some big contests available all over the place. DraftKings and FanDuel, uh, wherever you'd like to get your contests. DraftKings has a meaty, uh, couple of meaty contests you'd like to get involved in. We've already touched on some salaries for some of our fighters. But uh, more specifically, Billy, when we discuss DFS and intertwining it with UFC, who are some guys that could be viable for cash games? Because that's something that you'd like to target in discussion here. Yeah, I mean, obviously the biggest thing with cash games is you almost always just want to jam in both fighters in the five-round fight, assuming there's only one. Makachev has such long odds of winning, it's really hard to see him not at least putting up a reasonable set, reasonable points per salary here. And Bobby Green is just so cheap that he doesn't really need to do a ton. I think you pointed out he has the most significant strikes in UFC lightweight history. You know, he can get pay off that 6,700 salary pretty easily. Just to jump in, if you do roster green, you're talking 8,600 bucks average remaining salary per player. So you still have a lot of flexibility if you if that is a starting point. Right, and that's usually the strategy behind going with both guys in the main event because they always add their salaries up to 16,200 on DraftKings. And that's a little bit less than the average salary you have per fighter. So just getting 10 rounds of fight for less than the average salary is usually going to be a good move. Um, I think the biggest key to this slate, though, is finding a cheaper fighter or two that can put up some points because we really want to get both Mahachev and Brahimai in there just because they both have such good shots at winning their fights inside the distance or just in general and putting up a lot of points. So on that side, I like Rongju, as Sean pointed out. I really like Alvarez. Those are probably the two I'm looking the most at. And then Armin Petrosian are the three on the cheaper side that I'm going to be looking for. You probably only want one of those guys in a cash game. That's between Rongju, Petrosian, and Alvarez. What about GPPs? Did strategy change at all? Yeah, I mean, with the GPP, the main event's going to be interesting on this one. We need Makachev to put up a lot of points to pay off his salary from a GPP standpoint. I don't know if he gets there if he gets an early submission. He has some submission wins where he put up 102, 107 points. So we almost want that one to go to a decision for that. We've had three cards in a row where neither main event fighter ended up in the optimal lineup or the GPP winning lineup. I could see that happening again here, particularly if it's a quicker fight that Mahachev wins. Um, So that's the biggest change. And then we're just looking for finishes beyond that. We've got a couple balanced fights in terms of salary with Serkinov and Terman and Hernandez and Altamarino that I think both have pretty good shots at ending 
uh, inside the distance. I don't know. You know, it's hard to pick which guy's going to win. Those are both pretty balanced. Do you have any opinion on that, Sean? Yeah, I wanted to comment on your your three cash game plays and which one I'd choose actually first. So to me, Alvarez and Petrosian, if those guys lose, they're probably not going to score many points. Alvarez gets stuck on his back, doesn't really do much when he's losing fights. And Petrosian might just get submitted immediately or knocked out on the feet. So I don't really see those guys scoring. I would say Rongju just by nature of the fact that that fight's going to go to a decision and maybe a little more high volume, may get some takedowns too, even if he loses he's probably going to have a safer floor than those other two guys. So that's where I go. In terms of where I'd be looking for GPP plays myself, there's two female fights on the card. And by and large, the female fighters tend to be under-owned in DK or FanDuel tournaments. And the one in particular between Pasquale and Nunez, the rare over under one and a half in a WMMA fight, I think I'm probably going to end up having one or the other in all my lineups. Nunez live for a round one knockout but she also has terrible cardio, another live spot where I'm going to be looking on Pasquale. And I think she's very live to get a finish on the ground. So either or between Pasquale and Nunez, I think are good spots to kind of differentiate yourself in the field, especially when you only have 11 fights on a card and need to find ways to be unique. I'm interested with Pasquale uh, UFC debut at featherweights. That should be interesting to follow uh, as the night goes along. All right, before we wrap up this uh, version of the Action Network podcast, the UFC Fight Night Vegas 49 betting preview, let's get to our best bets before we say goodbye. This can be anything, guys. Money line, prop, a total. You can talk about something you already did, but if you have anything else to add, uh, each of you give one uh, one bet, your best bet for the weekend. Billy, we'll go to you first. Yeah, I'm going to head over to prize picks. You know, being a DFS guy, I like to look at the stat lines and the stat markets. My favorite one right now, and it's jumped up from 2.5 to 3, is the Makachev takedowns in the main event. They had it at 2.5, now it's 3. I think he goes well over that. I could see 5, 6, 7, just due to Bobby Green's durability and his ability to get back to his feet. So that seems like a fairly, I don't want to say easy pick because Makachev could put him away early. That's the risk on that one. But I think it's far more likely than not that Green survives a couple takedowns. There's a lot more ways to win this one than there is to lose it. He could get taken down once per round to get stuck there, and you're still winning the over three props. All right. How about you, Sean Zarillo? I'm going to go with Terrence McKinney against Ferris Ziam. Now, I'm not going to take him on the money line because I think there's a better way to play them. I did actually bet his money line the first time this fight was booked, ended up getting canceled due to a positive COVID test, rescheduled, and I'm glad it did because I'm approaching this fight slightly differently. In my opinion, there's much more value on McKinney's odds to win inside the distance than on his money line. It's a very similar situation to how I'm playing the Joe Alvarez fight. Projected finish is about 85% of McKinney's win condition. The market odds are putting it closer to 65%. So based on my projection, I have him winning inside the distance 44% of the time. The market at plus 200 is giving you a 33% implied probability. That's an 11% projected edge. I think plus 200 is a phenomenal number on Terrence McKinney. Doesn't really have a complete MMA game. We haven't really seen him past the six or seven minute mark in any fight. So not really sure what his cardio is going to look like late. ZM, another potential live betting spot. As I mentioned, there's six on this card that I really like. But 10 of 11 finishes for McKinney have come inside of round one. So his inside the distance odds at plus 200. His round one odds at plus 400. I think those are both very obvious plays. And then you could also always look to pivot to ZM live after round one because he's a great kickboxer, great at keeping range. And as McKinney's pressure starts to wilt, he should start to take over the fight. But he doesn't deal with pressure himself while early. There's a good chance he gets out of there very quickly. How about McKinney, too, has earned all 11 of his career victories by stoppage. So we'll see if he can keep it going for Sean. 
think that's going to do it for us today, gentlemen. Great stuff. Looking forward to watching the fights take place over the course of the weekend. I want to thank both Billy Ward and Sean Zarilla, both contributors at Action Network. You can find Sean over on Action Network. He is a senior writer, also MMA betting expert. Billy Ward, former pro MMA fighter, also an analyst contributing at Action Network. Brendan Glasheen saying so long. Thanks for tuning into the Action Network podcast, this UFC fight night, Vegas 49 betting preview. Best of luck with your picks, your lineups on the DFS side, and we'll catch you next Friday. We'll be joining you every Friday to get you set for the big card and all of our favorite picks and analysis. We'll catch you next time.